Hi, I'm Mary C. Curtis, and this is Equal Time. Many credit South Carolina Representative James Clyburn's February 2020 endorsement days before that state's primary as the turning point in Biden's campaign. It was the beginning of Biden's march to victory and especially influential among many Black voters. Candidate Biden promised to put voting rights at the top of his agenda. But over the last year, President Biden has had to focus on many issues, including the pandemic, infrastructure, and the economy. The voting rights portfolio was assigned to his vice president, leading many civil rights leaders to say they felt a bit betrayed that Biden didn't put his full weight behind the effort to secure voting rights. Last week, the president announced that he endorsed changing the Senate's rules to shift to a talking filibuster, which would get rid of the 60-vote hurdle currently required to advance most legislation. This could help pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, it was felt. But two Democratic senators, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, said they wouldn't support changing the rules, and they didn't. And Republicans are nearly totally united in opposition to the bill, and really truly united in any suggestion to alter the filibuster. Blocking an elections bill for the fifth time in six months just yesterday. With us now to talk about this is Cedric Richmond senior advisor to President Biden and a protege of Congressman Clyburn. Welcome to Equal Time, Senior Advisor Richmond. Thank you for joining Equal Time. I appreciate you making time for us. No problem at all. So my first question, obviously, is after what did and didn't happen yesterday, Wednesday, on voting rights in the Senate, so now what? We're going to keep fighting for it. Uh, The vice president will continue to lead it. Uh, you will see us continue to meet with stakeholders, uh, galvanize people. You'll see the Justice Department continue to uh, monitor, sue when necessary uh, to protect the precious right to vote. But we're not we're not giving in. Yesterday was not the ending of our fight uh, for the right to vote. Do you think you'll ever get any allies from Republicans? Any support? I'm not sure. I mean, the, the short answer is I hope so, but I've not seen many Republicans display the courage to stand up to uh, President Trump and, and dispute his big lie. But we can't let their obstruction uh, stop us. And so we're going to continue to try. And the president said yesterday that he, he uh, doesn't mind talking to anybody, including Republicans, about uh, voting rights and the need to protect it and protect our elections. Now you bring up the big lie, we've seen the damage of it. And on the right, you have a lot of grassroots army organizing on the ground in so many states. They're changing election laws, having laws that change how votes are counted and who does the counting. They're recruiting poll watchers to be on the lookout for non-existent fraud. Now we saw how effective the activists turned out to be in the last election on the other side, particularly black women in states like Georgia. Will it take an even greater mobilization today on the other side uh, among voting activists to ensure that people can exercise their right to vote and then have that vote count? I think it's an all of above approach. First of all, we need to continue to fight to protect the right to vote. Uh, second, uh, we need to make sure that the Justice Department is doing their job in the Civil Rights Division. And then third, we need to make sure that we are equipping uh organizers, activists, and others to ensure that people 
uh, have the ability to exercise their vote and that the vote counts. And so uh, I, I think history shows us that people have never been, especially in the African-American community, they've never been kind to people taking something from them. And uh, this desire by Republicans to take the right to vote away, uh, I think, uh, will not be met with kindness. I think people are going to be uh, infuriated, and I think people will uh, show up. But that doesn't mean that it absolves our duty and responsibility to fight to pass voting rights. Well, when the president was asked at his conference, press conference on Wednesday, about voting rights, it was pretty sobering. He was asked if voting rights bills aren't passed, could there be a fair election with results uh, that were considered legitimate? Mm-hmm. And his answer was, it all depends. So what does it depend on? Well, I think his answer was uh, referring back to 2020, which was uh, an election we should celebrate in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, more Americans voted uh, in that election in the history of the United States. And it was safe and it was secure and it was accurate. Uh, but I think that it was also a telling tale that the upcoming election if you have election subversion, it could cast a doubt. And I, I don't think that he um, was trying to uh, say that, you know, he predicted an illegitimate election in 2022. But I think he was raising awareness about uh, a lot of the bills being introduced and the ability to uh, subvert uh, the voters' will. Well, there's been a lot of second guessing looking back. And some folks have said that the president's big push on it, and he had so much else on his plate, but they said it was too little too late. And they asked why it hadn't been front and center as a priority uh, over the the last year. Well, one, I think we could have communicated a lot better, but a lot of people don't realize the fact that the Supreme Court in the Shelby decision where they threw out the Voting Rights Act said that they were throwing it out because Congress did not go and build a up-to-date recent record. So Congress, uh, which I believe was the right thing, embarked on field hearings to uh, build a record for uh, voting rights and uh, for the uh, piece of legislation, because you have to identify a problem and propose a remedy that is designed to fix that problem. And so they did that. And that bill wasn't introduced until almost, uh, I think it was August. So that was the process in order to introduce a constitutional John Lewis voting rights bill. Now, you know, I've done a a lot of reporting on the ground talking to voters. uh, And I've noticed that there's a certain amount of exhaustion, uh, also some disappointment. So what do you say to Black voters in particular who say they feel somewhat betrayed and uh, watching their ability to vote in peril with all of these state laws that we already see uh, are being passed, they're having an effect, and they're, they're there's a whole bunch more lined up to try to get some more of these bills through. Well, they should be frustrated. Um, and looking at these partisan uh, legislatures passing bills with only Republican votes on a majority basis uh, to make it harder and add burdens to the right to vote is very frustrating. Uh, but if you're asking about uh, whether they have been prioritized in this administration, then I would say the answer is absolutely. 
If you look at our reduction in Black poverty, Black child poverty, if you look at the fact that we've appointed more African-American women to the courts of appeals than all other presidents combined. So if you look at every president beside us, add them up, they've, they put eight women on the United States courts of appeal. In 365 days, we did eight people. If you look at our uh, effort to uh, combat community violence or maternal health or make sure that vaccines were distributed in an equitable manner, everything we do is centered around equity our historic investment in HBCUs or making the Minority Business Development Agency permanent, seeding it with $110 million or putting six uh, women's business resource centers at HBCUs. So everything we do is centered around <clears throat> equity and progress. And so I think that uh, African-American voters, uh, once they hear uh, everything that we've done in terms of being intentional about equity, I think that they will be uh, pleased. Uh, now, this is year one of a four-year term with 25% of the way through, uh, but we believe that we've made uh, some historic investments and advances uh, for the African-American community. Now, uh, the truth of the matter is when the Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act was passed, uh, the president had overwhelming majority in the House and the Senate. It's no secret. We have 50 votes in the Senate and we have to uh, figure out ways to govern with that. Uh, and by the way, I think it's important to note that we're going to remove uh, lead pipes delivering contaminated water to 10 million homes, a disproportionate share of those of black and brown, expanding broadband. Uh, disproportionately helps uh, black and brown communities and rural communities. So uh, we're going to continue to do the work, uh, but make no mistake about it. Uh, we have challenges and we're going to keep working to, to meet them. Yeah. I, but the voters that I, yes, I say I speak with, they acknowledge what has, has been done, but the vote is something so central, so hard fought for. Uh, and they say, well, if you can't vote, what do you do? Because, uh, it's been made so difficult in so many places. And so they still want to see some action on that. We're not giving up on it. The vice president is still going to lead this effort. We're going to continue to meet. We're going to continue to push. We're not giving up on this. It was a, a vote yesterday. It was a defining moment. We saw where people stood, but that doesn't mean we pack up and go home. What it means is we double our effort and we continue to work and we continue to try to build consensus in the Democratic Party for a way to. Uh, get to yes, a way to, to pass the legislation. We're not giving up on it, uh, but the reality is uh, we have 50 votes. And if we had 49 votes, uh, it would be a harsh reality that it would never uh, get done. So we're going to continue to work on it. Yeah. Now, of course, a bill is named for the late great statesman and activist John Lewis, who uh, many of these same con members of Congress say many wonderful things about him mm -hmm. as they are voting against the bill or the filibuster. What do you think that he would think about this moment in time after all of the things that he went through for this uh, right? And what would he what would he think about it and what would he do? Well, if if you look over my shoulder, uh, the Life magazine cover that I have on my wall is the Life magazine from when 
they crossed that Mimpettis Bridge and it's signed by uh, John and it says, keep the faith. And so what I would think that he would say in a moment like this is that uh, we can't get discouraged, that we have to fight and we have to fight on all fronts. And that's what uh, we're going to do. I mean, his favorite line was, we need to get in good trouble, uh, but we're going to continue to fight. And we're going to continue to call people out. I think the president's speech in Atlanta on the campus of Morehouse and Clark Atlanta University was very um, appropriate. And I think that uh, he really framed it well and the vice president that this is a defining moment in history. You're going to have to say what side that you want to be on. Now, that vote happened. It's over. But we're going to continue to reach out to Republicans and Democrats to see if we can't uh, find a way to do it. But what we're what we should not do uh, is allow people to discourage us from exercising our right to vote. And we're going to try our best to beat them in court, beat them in Congress, and beat them on Election Day. I think all of those three things should be our goals. Have you been in touch with those activists and in these organizations on the ground about a strategy a concerted strategy, because you know, I'm hearing from all sorts of groups that are talking about it. Uh, so are you in touch with them from the White House to to on the ground folks? I am. And uh, I, I will say that um, our activists have, they've done a yeoman's job of making sure that people are aware of this, fighting it, uh, amplifying it, uh, calling people out um, for obstructing it. And we're going to need those uh, same activists to continue uh, to try to push this across the finish line in Congress. And we're going to need those same activists during uh, the election cycle to make sure people can exercise their vote uh, freely and without undue burden. So uh, they play a big role. And, um, you know, they're the John Lewis's of today. Oh, well, yeah, well, I have three, my three eldest siblings were some of the marchers, even getting arrested. So they would be happy to hear you say that, uh, Senior Advisor Richmond. I know your time is short, and I want to thank you. Uh, if you have any other things that you would like to share with our Equal Time listeners that they should know? We're going to continue to, the one thing we didn't talk about was the fact that uh, the economy, the fact that um you know, wages are up. We've created 6.4 million jobs, more than any president in history in the United States. Our economic growth uh, is the best in uh, decades. And we're going to continue to keep our head down and make sure that we create jobs, wages go up, and we're going to work on uh, the pandemic supply chain issues to make sure that we get uh, inflation under control. So uh, we're paying attention to those issues that our, our families are facing. And we're going to work like uh, heck, to make sure we address them. Well, I appreciate you sharing that news and uh, your plans moving forward with the listeners of Equal Time. Thank you for uh, talking with us, Senior Advisor Cedric Richmond. Thank you for having me. So, what's keeping me up at night? The same thing that's keeping many Equal Time listeners up to judge from the feedback I've been getting. Why so much resistance to laws that would, in effect, reauthorize key provisions of the landmark Voting Rights Act of 1965, provisions struck down by the Supreme Court, which turned the matter back to Congress? We've seen what happened this week, with Republicans pretty much in lockstep 
against such laws. And this is the same week when many issued statements and Twitter feeds that praised the life and work of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. King himself would look at these politicians and say, as he did in 1957 in Washington, D.C., quote, In this juncture of our nation's history, there is an urgent need for dedicated and courageous leadership. His words ring true today. Let me know what's on your mind by tweeting me at mcurtisnc3 and check out my columns at Roll Call. This week I write about climate change. Will ever-present partisan divides over science halt progress on a crisis that, like so many others, disproportionately affects minority citizens? Thank you for listening to Equal Time. Please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.